This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond. Welcome to our show. We're happy to have you, and we have a lot to talk about. We are back after our kind of uh, July 4th uh, uh, sabbatical, and man, do we have a lot to talk about, so let's dive into it. Uh, Drew, Drew Hausman, how you doing, pal? Goals on goals on goals on goals on goals. On goals on goals. That gets you to seven. Um <laughs> Omar, uh, Omar Mubayed, how you doing? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Not like anything new is going on around here, right? Yeah, I know. It's pretty pretty quiet. Uh, we are recording uh, during the uh, Home Run Derby, so if you hear anyone go, oh, it's a response to uh, to that. I'm about I, to I go, oh. Home... Yeah, I think there was a home run over the sculpture. <laughs> I, I may have been hallucinating, but I think it went over the sculpture. I need to go back and watch that. Uh, Gary Sanchez currently a hitting uh, Yankee uh, player. Uh, anyway, let's get started on the actual soccer. Uh, w- like I said, we have a lot to talk about. The last time we talked to you was immediately before the Atlanta United game, and yeah, that was kind of a big freaking deal. So let's talk about the Atlanta United game. Uh, Miami FC are in the quarterfinals of the U.S. Open Cup. They will play FC Cincinnati. We'll talk more about that in a bit. We'll also direct you to where we, oh, one of us talks about it. In great detail in a bit, but let's talk about the game itself. 3-2 Miami win. Poku steals it at the death in, in probably the most exciting moment in club history. Um, let's start with Drew, and let's talk about the significance of that game. Yeah, that that game was insane, uh, specifically the Poku goal. I thought it couldn't get more dramatic after the uh, Pino hat-trick in Orlando, but, um, you know, going playing at home, getting, uh, what was it, 9,000? On a Wednesday night was, yep. yeah, almost nine thousand and four. There we go. <laughs> Getting that <laughs> on a on a Wednesday night at home is big for us. You know, I know other clubs like Cincinnati will kind of laugh at that, but for us that was huge. Um, that game was intense, and you know it was it was kind of strange for me because before the kickoff, you know, Atlanta were weren't playing maybe two of their better players, but uh, screw them, that's on them. But um, you know, tactically it was. <laughs> It was a back-and-forth game. If you look at the statistics, everything was almost even of possession, shots, corners. And uh, in typical Miami fashion, we, we won that at the end. Um, so it's on to Cincinnati. <laughs> Omar, you had a, a different perspective, a different view on that goal and on the game overall, Drew, Drew and I being in the, in the supporters' end. I actually had a pretty good look at the Poku goal because I was kind of staring right between him and and the goal, but but your look at the game, what'd you take away from it? Um, this is a game where the result could have been completely different um, in the sense that Miami got lucky. Miami got lucky that the three offensive juggernauts uh, for Atlanta United didn't take the field. Almiron, Saad, and Martinez didn't play. They were left off the team completely by Farfa Martinez, but, you know, they have to lay in the bed that they sow. So, um, or lay in the bed that they made, I should say, reap that they sow, mix that completely together. <laughs> Um, and it's one of those situations where, you know, Miami was the better team that night. 
at times they looked really shaky. At times they looked uh, incredibly rattled, for lack of better words. But they were able to come away with obviously the, the you know the poker goal to, to seal the match. Um, you know things that get lost in that game is you know Red Bernstein coming up huge off a set piece and you know putting a ball in the back of the net uh, to take Mazeltov <laughs> to, to you know kind of get there an early lead in the second half and Miami's quick answer you know by Stefano Pino in order to make sure that you know the game got leveled really early on. You know, Atlanta's a really good side. You look at Atlanta's youth system, and, and it's littered with really good players. And the guys who played in that match, they most of them had MLS experience. So it's not like we're talking about guys that, like, you know, they've come off, you know, an under-16 training field or an under-18 training field. Like, their best player that night was Andrew Carlton. And guess what? Andrew Carlton is oh my up God. there amongst the Josh Sargents in the U.S., you know, development program. He's that good. He had Blake Smith on skates all night. And that's a hard guy to put yeah, on skates really did. all night. So, you know, Blake Smith is one of the better defenders that this team has. And that kid was able to time and time again, you know, get the better of the back four. And it's a testament to his strength and a testament to the development and quality that United possess, you know, down their roster. And it, they're going to be good for many, many years to come. Yeah, it was um, watching that game. You, you know, watching the Orlando game, I thought that, and we talked about it before, that that Orlando game, Orlando used a, a B-plus squad. It was not A-plus, but it was pretty damn good. I thought that the squad that Atlanta put out was weaker on on, on uh, paper, comparing yes. the two um, on paper. Um, but, man, they were I, – I th- Drew, I think I said this to you at some point during the game – I just I went to Drew and I was like, they're so fast. Everyone's <laughs> fast. It's just there's so much speed and it's not coherent necessarily. Like it's not all clicking and working together the way it's supposed to. But God, it was really it was exhausting watching it. And I I think that that's you know um, that was something that really um, made life difficult for the back line of, of Miami FC. Uh, now. They took a punch to the face. They gave up the first goal and responded very quickly. And I think that was uh, – the Poku goal is most important because it's probably the most important goal in the, the club's history. But that that first responding goal was so important to just say that, like, we're not going to roll over. We're not going to keel over and die. We're still here. You, we, you scored a goal. Now we got one, and that's life, and we're okay. And And – and after that, it seemed like the game, even though there were three more goals to come, it seemed like it kind of settled down a bit because it was Atlanta seemed kind of very like we're young and fast and we're running, and Miami FC seemed like we got to slow them down, slow them down, slow them down. We got to keep things in pace, and it seemed like both teams kind of after that things kind of straightened out a bit until the ninety third minute, <laughs> and then there was a terrible back pass that led to a really uh, opportune uh, uh, job by Vincenzo Ronaldo with the pass. Ah, Vincenzo and. Uh, <laughs> and and Poku with the finish, and it was it was special. Yeah, that that Pino goal was really clutch too. Coming coming in, what was it, seven eight minutes before the half? Uh, the fact that yes. we were able to equalize going into the halftime, I think, definitely motivated the team and kind of leveled it out to where if they were coming into the second half down one, I think the the rest of that game would have gone differently. I mean, to steal not to steal your thunder very right there very quickly, but even more so. 
I think the important part about that about Pino's goal is that it came two minutes after Atlanta's tally on a set piece. So it was one of those situations where, you know, they always say, you know, the major soccer analysts, the biggest minds in soccer say, if you're going to answer to a goal, you answer within the first five minutes because all of a sudden that sucks out all of the energy from that, you know, opposite goal that was scored. And they and on, you know, on the contrary to that, if you're defending. You know, you need to defend those first five minutes after you scored a goal in order to make sure that you don't let your opponents back in the game quickly and, and pin you within two minutes right away and answered. And, you know, if you haven't seen the Poku uh, goal yet to clinch the game, uh, I don't know what you're doing. This may be your first episode <laughs> to the podcast, so welcome. Um, but if you haven't seen it, honestly, the best way to describe it is a, a very Mighty Ducks Disney style, you know, goal where in slow motion it almost seems like Poku is running 35 yards down the field, but it almost seems, you know, to be 500 yards in real time um, because of how, not only how quickly it developed, but how my mind and how my eyesight kind of analyzed the whole situation going on at once where it literally did look like he ran down the field in slow motion and that ball could not trickle into the goal any slower uh, (laughs) in order to kind of seal it there. So, you know, obviously the ball goes in, Bedlam erupts, and, and Miami walks out of there with, you know, a 3-2 victory. at You know, grasping victory at the jaws of possible defeat. Yeah. The thing that really um, grabbed me from from that goal, and, and yeah, there's a whole game to talk about, but like Omar said, the, the, the goal at the end, it's it's one of those things that you can go a whole lifetime and, and never really experience live. That if you go to sporting events, you may never see the buzzer beater. You may never see the Hail Mary. And that's what this was. And just, I I went back and again, I watched it live and then went back and probably watched it a hundred times at home. (laughs) Um, But the noise and the response from the crowd is just, you can't you can't conceive of it and, and and you know watching you would think that the the beer garden end which is the opposite side of the day brigade and if you're not familiar with the the setup at at, at ricardo silva stadium um it, it the beer garden end looked like the day brigade end you had people jumping and and running and and it, people just going nuts and on our end i heard people responding like I've never really experienced that crush of people going forward after a goal, and that's what happened. Just people just pushed forward. I think I was like four or five rows in front of where I started uh, by the time <laughs> I kind of realized where I was. Like there was just all these things going on, and it was just wild. It was just it's, – it's, again, it's one of those things that you could live your whole life and never really experience it, and to, and to get a chance to experience it was just amazing. Yeah, I think prior to that Poku goal, I was already just stressed out and so freaked out. I was running my own mini podcast with Lee, debating on which subs we could bring in for the extra time prior to the Poku ball. Like, I was already yes. mapping out strategies, and when the goal went in, I was like, oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I think that's the mindset that everyone was in. Yeah, yeah, that, like, you know, how, do we, how do we play this like, out? <laughs> yeah, equalize, Atlanta equalized with a penalty. And it's like, well, crap, now this got a lot harder and they're maybe better conditioned, who knows, and they're MLS. And all that kind of like lower division fear creeps in. And, um, and, and um, yeah, you just think that it's not going to happen, that, oh, we're going to have to play an additional 30 minutes and then survive penalties because we're not going to score again because I'm afraid and, and I don't trust in myself or believe in myself and my team. And then it's like, oh, well, wait, hold on. No, huh? 
and it's over, and the game's over, and you win, like, in the blink of an eye. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just picking up my jaw off the floor watching Stan just hit these monster dongs. Yeah, he, he hit one 485 seconds <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on from um, uh, from Atlanta United here. Um, so Miami FC gets six days of rest, um, and notably Quadwapoku gets a call-up to uh, the Ghana Black Star side in order to take on the United States in a friendly. Um, and they go ahead and, uh, you know, take on North Carolina FC on the 4th of July in a game that they lose 1-0. Uh, notably, Quadwapoku did need to sit out for the red card suspension uh, and the red card earned against the New York Cosmos crappy red card issued but it is what it is Ariel Martinez takes yeah. his place and we notice that Dylan Mares doesn't line up for Miami FC and Calvin Resende takes his place in that game guys quickly North Carolina FC Miami uh, what was the thought what were your thoughts on that bummer <laughs> uh, yeah it just was it was it, it didn't feel right from the beginning it just didn't feel right it was it wasn't on the cw it got moved to this tv and it was the fourth of july so people were distracted it just it didn't have a good feeling of it from the jump and you don't have poku you don't have maris and you see the result on the field and it was it was lackluster and and miami didn't deserve to win i don't know if they deserve to lose but they didn't deserve to win and, and so basically at that point you got to accept what what results you get and and honestly, again, we know the end of the story here, so we know what happens yeah, yeah. in the next game, and it really doesn't matter. But yeah, it's you can't really draw any conclusions one way or the other because you're missing, uh, you know, you're missing players and 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 all that jazz. So it's 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 tough. It's just a tough thing to draw, and it's the end of the the winning streak. But that's life. Yeah, if we did this podcast on the 5th of July, we'd probably be huffing and puffing about it for for half an hour. But um, at the end of the day, you know, like you said, uh, we didn't deserve to lose, but we didn't deserve to win. That own goal being taken off was BS. But, um, you know, it's the NASL. They gifted us an own goal. It got called off. You know, we never scored in that game. So uh, we didn't really put in too much of an offensive effort. I think... From my perspective, it was a bit of laziness on Nesta's behalf. It just seemed like he tried to sub uh, Ariel Martinez in a one-for-one with where Poku was playing, and uh, that dev- that experiment definitely didn't work out. Yeah, no, it certainly did not. Omar's watching more dongs. So no, we'll all keep, right, moving we'll on. We'll keep going. No, <laughs> I had nothing to add about, about North Carolina FC. It was the letdown that we all expected. The 14-game unbeaten run uh, comes to an end in that match. And in a game that, you know, the team looked, the chemistry looked off. It was just fractured. And, and every good run comes to an end at some point. So to think that this team was going to be a Celtic that was going to go ahead and never drop a match, <laughs> very unlikely. You know, uh, and, and to think that this team is, is a Cork City of the NASL also, you know, very unlikely. Cork City? Cork City. Um, it's a little more, um, <laughs> you know, it's a little more competitive, I think, and and I don't think they have that amount of firepower that a Celtic does in the Scottish in the Scottish Premiership, or that you know Cork City has in the League of Ireland. So, you know, listen, you you take it on the chin. It's okay. It's about how you respond. And <laughs> did Miami ever respond? That's what we call a transition. Yeah. So, 
Miami drops the game against North Carolina and then moves on to what what is basically a, a clinching possibility that Miami FC comes into a game at home with the possibility to win the NASL spring season against San Francisco Deltas. And as Omar alluded to, the game was over in 15 minutes. It was arguably the most dominant performing mean, by numbers, not arguably, but arguably the most dominant performance Miami FC had put on. They defeat San Francisco Delta 7-0 and clinch the spring season title. We're going to talk about the implications of, of winning the spring season in a bit, but let's focus on the micro of the game. And, and let's talk about um, how the team played and really how it, how it shook out. Um, let's start with Drew. Drew, what was your takeaway, especially from the first half? Because there was a lot going on in that first half. Yeah, there was, there was a lot on the brigade end. I mean, going into this game, <laughs> I, I was a bit frightened because, uh, you know, we've never, we've never played the San Francisco Deltas. And then the fact that they were second in the league was a big deal. And then also the fact that if they won against us at this game and then won at home in San Francisco, they would have then won the spring title. So there, were, there was a lot at stake uh, for this game. But uh, clearly, <laughs> Miami came out with a, <laughs> a good battle plan. You know, Mara's got the early goal, assisted by Ranella. And then it just turned into a ridiculous, you know, every five minutes a goal. One of the one of those games, which, um, in in my mind, I, I didn't think that was conceivable prior to the game. Um, I mean, San Francisco just clearly clearly broke down in that game. Um, and then, you know, we were up. I believe it was three nothing. Maybe what was it? Twenty minutes later, they they got themselves a straight red with a little scuffle. And then you know, yeah, it was, it, it was it, yeah, it was done at thirty minutes, and then once they got that red card, you know, we were we were just partying in the brigade end, and every I think everybody in the stadium knew at that point it was a guaranteed win, or we were going to see the greatest comeback in sports history. Period. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was pretty much that, but then to see you know uh, Ariel Martinez made up for his maybe lackluster performance in North Carolina and. Did the typical Ariel Martinez thing where he got subbed in, scored outside of the box with that beautiful left foot, um, looking like you know an all-star style goal. Uh, Pino got to wrap it up with a with a hat trick and then scoring an additional goal. So now he's sitting at four, or he's sitting at eight on the season. So it's, it's ridiculous. Him and Vincenzo Ranella both have eight goals and are leading the NASL. That's two players from the same team. Man, and did Pino ever close that gap? The last couple of yeah. weeks, because that wasn't—he yeah. wasn't even in the. I mean, he, he was—he was playing well, but he wasn't in that discussion of top goal scorers. It was Ranella the whole way, and then just you know, he got the got the goal against uh, the Rowdies, right? That was his his first Open Cup goal, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think so. And then got that oh, and that trick against Orlando, and it's like he just hasn't stopped. Yeah, he just hasn't. It's it's been incredibly impressive the last month that he's had. Um, yeah, that game wasn't competitive, and, and I, I just had this thought, uh, probably like after about after fifteen minutes in, where I was like, "Man, I was afraid of you guys all week. Yeah, I was afraid of San Francisco all week, and it was such it was a waste. It was just wasted. And I know San Francisco is not that; they're not that, and I'm convinced of that. And we haven't played them this year, and so they do have the benefit. And when you look at where they play, where they stand in the standings, that every other team in the league has played us twice, and they didn't play us at all. So there, uh, we can presume there was some benefit there. 
but still they were they were the other team you know Jacksonville had a possibility of winning but it took all kinds of crazy things happening they were the other team that had a legitimate chance of winning and so you had a bit of fear and man alive it was just the thing that stuck out to me the first two goals were great but the third goal the third goal that was set up by the by Richie Ryan that the assist went to by I believe Blake Smith yeah yeah but it should have gone to Richie Ryan because the Ryan threw ball through the entire left side of the San Francisco defense like as though it had eyes uh, you know, it was it was a seeing eye through ball to borrow baseball parlance again. I know there's too much baseball creeping in in our uh, our soccer podcast, but it, it had eyes. It got through that that defense somehow, and then Smith just all he has to do is take it to the line and put it across the face of goal. Um, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and it's just it was just hot knife through butter. It's the only way you could describe it. It was just you know the 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 Delta's back line got depantsed. They just had their pants removed by the Miami FC attack, and it, it wasn't. It was over. It, the Nel- first goal. Nelson it, from the know, Simpsons looking, came out and did a ha ha. Yes, like a really big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, I'm so glad you interrupted me for that. That was the best thing. That may be the best thing. Just that visual. Someone on Twitter, or whoever, photoshopped that. Like Miami FC Nelson Muntz laughing because I think that's we, that has a lot of utility going forward. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was beat down city. It was just, it was, yeah, there was nothing, again, I don't think the Deltas can really take anything away from this game. I wouldn't be surprised if the Deltas wound up winning the, 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 the game in San Francisco next week, uh, or the end of this week, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't, I think it was just an outlier, but it's also a credit to the fact that the Miami FC are damn good. And that's it. That's the takeaway is that ignore North Carolina, ignore that kind of letdown. There were factors at play there. This team is really damn good. Yeah, and what we've kind of been saying throughout this year and what you were saying is that kind of uh, Richie, Richie Ryan's just amazing and kind of the unsung hero on paper. You know, he never statistically gets any kind of American track statistic where you can physically point at on a website and say, he's this good, but... Just throughout all this year, he's been just a clutch player for us. And um, what, what you were saying earlier, the fears with the Deltas, is I think I think part of that, I felt the same way you did going into the game throughout the week, but I think part of that was you look at Miami FC at the beginning of last year and how bad we did in the spring season, and it was a team kind of thrown together, a brand new you know uh, expansion franchise team, and then you look at the Deltas and they were in the same situation, and to be going you know, two games left in the spring season and they could have potentially won it. That's that that's where my fear came from from their team where I was like, oh, like this <laughs> this is what I wished for last year, but it wasn't us, you know? So we'll we'll see what they do in the second second half. But uh yeah, I think that game in San Francisco, um, who knows what's gonna happen, but I wouldn't expect to see too many starters there. Yeah, I, I think that this is going to be a, um, a a good opportunity for some players that we haven't seen a, a lot from this year to, to get out and get a good long run on the field because you have such a, uh, a big game Wednesday, and now, I mean, honestly, all eyes for this team are on the Open Cup because, you know, the fall season will be important too, but... It's you. You can see that 
they they can afford to take their eyes off the ball for a couple weeks now, and it's not really going to kill them because they're already kind of sewn up. They're already good to go in terms of getting their their playoff spot. Um, so, yeah, I th- I definitely think that Saturday game. I I use the term um, uh, in my write up on MagicCity.soccer, your your website home for everything we do. Uh, it's a dead rubber to borrow from the British parlance. It's just a game that has it, it has no significance for us besides you know getting the ninety minutes and getting some guys out there to get some run and keeping guys healthy, hopefully for a semifinals matchup. Yeah, do you um do you have a situation I guess uh, in mind where like do you rest certain guys in an attempt um, to give them minutes in exchange for you know possibly losing three points? Like to me, that's okay in my opinion because you have a seven point lead in the cushion. You've you know you have secured a whole match in the semifinals of the NHL playoffs. But I guess the bigger question is. How important is that number one overall seed? It is important to me, but at some point you're going to drop a game, and every team is going to lose a couple games in the season. You've you've afforded the ability to you know possibly lose all three points on the road on Saturday and it not come back to haunt you. Yeah, I think this is the game. Uh, the San Francisco game is the one where you play potential people that could play if you beat Cincy. You know, you start at Ariel Martinez. Uh, you know, out there. Uh, maybe throw in another center back. Let's let's see our boy Brad. <laughs> let's you know just <laughs> just throw in a variety of players there that could potentially play in the Open Cup. Because yeah, this is this is a game you're expecting to lose. It's okay if you lose, but you can you can see what happens and make it a meaningful game. But at the same time, here's another one of those opportunities similar to preseason, but it's going to be more competitive where you have a chance to play with formations and you know obviously the depth of our bench. So after the game, I was really lucky um, to catch up with uh, not only Nesto, um, but Mike LaHood. I can promise you now that we're going to give you both audio clips. However, the Nesto audio clip may not be that great, uh, given the fact that it was going on during the fireworks display. And it was a full-out <laughs> media scrum on the field after the um, you know, after the lifting of the trophy and, and the presentation. However, Mike LaHood's audio quality is just about near damn perfect. So, Matt, which one do you want to go to first? Okay, so I, what I would suggest, again, this really highlights how, how well we pre-produce and, and, and get things ready for this, our wonderful show. Um, uh, let, let's do LaHood now, uh, and, and let's, let's tack Nest on at the end, maybe, um, j- just so that it, um, if, it, I, if the audio quality is not greatly said there's a bunch of explosions going on in the pack, <laughs> maybe we don't drop it in the middle of the show. Um, what do you think? Your call. All right, Mike, take it away. Here with Mike LaHood on Magic City Soccer. Mike, obviously you just won a spring season championship. Can you try to put that into words? Oh, man, you know, it's amazing. Um, you couldn't ask for a more special night. You know, you're almost speechless. I'm speechless. Um, we're living a dream, like Nesta said, you know, last week after the Atlanta game. To put in an emphatic performance like this is a testament to our professionalism. It's a testament to, you know, the coaching staff, to every single person. Um, you know, the fans that came out tonight, the fans that have been coming out that believed in this project when it first started. Uh, this is what we mean when we say Vamos Miami. So, you know, we're not done yet. That's the beauty of it, and we need to keep it going in the Open Cup uh, coming up next. 
Right, so you have Cincinnati on the docket. Yeah. How important was it to get up so early yeah. and then give a lot of these guys like Poku and Enzo a rest going into that midweek tilt? It's huge. Um, I think it's it's more important to put in this type of performance going into Cincinnati. Uh, that's going to be a difficult game because most of these quarterfinal games are difficult. Uh, they've done some good things to get to this point. And we're also doing some phenomenal things. So we respect whoever we play, um, but you know we know whoever comes in here is going to have hell to pay. And uh, we're going to be very professional about how we face Cincinnati next week. Mike, thanks for your time. So yeah, that was uh, the captain, Mike LaHood. Um, obviously, congratulations to, to him, to the rest of the team. Uh, you know, winning that spring season is such an achievement. It's the first ever professional championship for a soccer team uh, in uh, Miami, in Miami-Dade County. The Gatos, the Toros, the Sharks, the 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 Miami Freedom, the Fusion. Uh, none of no professional level team in Miami-Dade County has ever won a championship. So it's it's an incredible uh, feat uh, for this squad. Um, uh, but now they have they have their eyes on a bigger prize, uh, the the national championship, the U.S. Open Cup. Um, Miami FC, as we mentioned before, because they beat Atlanta, uh, they will move on to face FC Cincinnati, who defeated Chicago Fire of MLS in a nil nil draw that went to penalty kicks, and uh, they uh, dominated those penalty kicks and and advanced on in front of a raucous crowd. But that Cincinnati group is going to have to travel to South Florida to play us. Um, so Omar, uh, you, you had a bit of a conversation with some people, uh, from the queen city of Cincinnati. Did you not? I did. I did. Um, I had, I was fortunate enough to have on our show, um, and to show up on their show, Brian Weigel's show, uh, Cincy soccer talk. And they reached out to us last week to see if we can schedule something together. And I'm really happy that we were able to, because what came out of it was really quite a beautiful segment. Um, and let's give that to you now. All right, Omar with Magic City Soccer here live with one of the guys from FC Cincinnati and Cincy Soccer Talk. I hope I have that right. Brian Weigel's on the pod with us today. Brian, how are you doing? Doing wonderful. Coming off uh, a good win finally for FC Cincinnati versus Richmond Kickers 2 nothing. So, uh, you know, everything's always better after a win. Everything is always better after a win uh, and, and after a title. And hopefully you guys have a title yeah. as long as it's not the Open Cup. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> no, well, uh, all jokes aside, uh, Brian's a good guy. We just recorded a great segment uh, for his show. So, guys, if you do have a chance, go ahead and support their show. It is Cincy Soccer Talk, right? Yeah, Cincinnati Soccer Talk or Cincy, C-I-N-C-Y, Soccer Talk on Twitter. You know, the whole character limit and all that stuff. Cincinnati's kind of a long name. A lot of I's, a lot of N's, a lot of T's. Uh, yeah. I actually spent some time at the University of Kentucky just down the road from you guys, and I was able to catch a game, a Bengals game, actually, at uh, Paul Brown Stadium, and it was really awesome to be in that area and kind of look at it. And I was born and raised in Miami, so for me, seeing another big American city and going to see the Reds' ballpark was really fantastic. I never got inside, but just seeing that whole riverfront area well, it was really great because Miami doesn't have their sports teams like huddled together like most other major metropolises. They just kind of have them scattered out as to wherever they got the best land deal. Well, it is is definitely changed over the past decade, and finally, it looks like the city's getting it, getting it, getting it together. Got a new streetcar, hopefully a new stadium coming along for for FC Cincinnati. But uh, we can talk all about that, I'm sure. Yeah, we're gonna get into the new stadium talk in a second because there's one plan that's kind of near and dear to my heart and would make a lot of my friends uh, in the Bluegrass State pretty happy about that. But 
we got an open cup match to discuss. And um, as we've done it before with the guys from the mainland and the guys from the unused subs, and we weren't able to talk to anybody from Atlanta, but, you know, oh, well, that's a moot point at this point. FC Cincinnati is coming into the game as one of the best home teams in USL. Uh, they're currently hosting a 6-6-6 six, six, and six record. Kind of reminds you of the Indy 11 there for a second. Uh, but, no, they have 24 points on the season. They're tied for six in the Eastern Conference of the USL. Uh, their road to get here, you know, to the Open Cup quarterfinals has been win over cross-state rival AFC Cleveland. Maybe they're not a rival because I'm assuming they're a lower division side. Yeah, but uh, they had a good crowd. They they actually hated on FC Cincinnati uh, expansively in, when they were creating FC Cincinnati. So there's a little bit of love lost there. I have a very similar Miami story there for that one. Right. <laughs> we have a couple clubs on here that aren't big fans of the Miami FC. Uh, win over Louisville City. That's a huge rivalry because those cities are maybe 70 miles apart maximum, and they're both USL sides that have strong, huge home crowds. Uh, a win over MLS side and Ohio, uh, really Ohio rivals, even though you know I don't know how expansive the, the head-to-head record is against them. A win over the Columbus Crew, 1-0. And they beat the Chicago Fire. Yes, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Nikola Nikolic, the rest of that crew uh, in penalties. And really, the game should have ended 1-0. They had a goal taken away from them in extra time. But to keep that offensive juggernaut, who's almost on par with Atlanta for being highly, highly explosive on the attacking front, to keep them to no goals through regulation and through extra time, just absolutely fantastic. Yeah, all those matches were were extremely fun. I think, you know, what we talked about on our shows, we kind of played with house money a little bit on Columbus Crew with Columbus Crew and Chicago. It's you know we have these great teams coming in, and uh, you know it's a win-win regardless of the overall results. So, uh, you know, to beat those clubs at home was was incredible, and uh, you know just with how this this cup run has has taken shape, it's really kind of changed the season around for FC Cincinnati. Uh, there's a lot going on negatively. Of course, uh, m- most people know that FC Cincinnati was run by uh, head coach John Harks. He up and left the team the day before uh, the overall preseason trip down to IMG in, in Florida. And, you know, it's taken a-, a while for these guys to turn around. But I think this cup run has really uh, turned a lot of heads for the-, the club, got a lot of people confident. And, you know, hopefully you can continue it as long as we can. Yeah, Cincinnati is a team that's – listen – I'm going to be as blunt as I can. I'm a very blunt individual. There's three games in six days. Tampa Bay on Thursday, a trip to Tampa Bay on Thursday, a trip back home to Cincinnati to play a match uh, as the day we're recording tonight, Sunday, where they beat the Richmond Kickers 2-0. And now they've got to travel back to South Florida uh, for a match against Miami FC on Wednesday night at Ricardo Silva Stadium on the grounds of FIU. What is the difficulty with your roster um, and and having to play so many games in such a short amount of time? Well, luckily, or not luckily, either way you can look at it, is this team has averaged four, or sorry, a game every four days over the past um, two months. I think it's 18 games or 19 19 games over 70 days, something just, it's insane. And uh, so there's been, you know, in the Open Cup, you would traditionally think that we would try to play our best 11. And it hasn't been that case for FC Cincinnati. They've put out guys who are veterans, who are former MLS players, um, 
that necessarily aren't, I guess, in our starting 11, but at least in our 18, and they've really gotten the job done really well. So they've been able to rotate the squad now. Our league performances haven't been as good as we hoped. You know, we got shellacked down in Tampa Bay by Joe Cole and his policy, but, uh, you know, it's it, it, they we're at least used to rotating the squad, and a lot of guys, 24 total guys, have started a match for FC Cincinnati, so um, they're at least a little bit familiar if we do have to shake up the squad from time to time. As you said, it's, it's, it's a quick turnaround, a lot of flight time. The flight time and the travel time really uh, concern me a lot because people really underestimate that. And when you've played two matches in Florida the previous week in Orlando and Tampa Bay, fly back home, then turn around and fly back down Tuesday morning to Miami, it's going to take a big toll on the squad uh, physically. Yeah, and that's even going back. That's four matches in 11 days. Um, I was not including that Orlando City draw 1-1 where they were able to get a point uh, away from Orlando City B. Um, Listen, call Joe Cole what it is, that group. There's Joe Cole and Goons. (laughs) Much love to to Mike and and, and Matt over there in Tampa and and, and Sudol. Don't take that offensively. It's (laughs) it's a term of endearment. Um, So looking ahead here, we've got, you know, fourth match in 11 days what kind of squad do you think we'll see from cincinnati one of my strong opinions about this fc cincinnati squad is that well look they're the third best team with a home record uh in the usl they've played 10 home matches they've gotten points in nine of them they have a plus six goal differential in those at home in their last five matches they have three wins and two draws this is a team that doesn't lose at home however when you take f cincinnati and you put them on a plane or on a, hopefully not on a bus, hopefully on a plane, um, it flips around. It's like almost like a Jekyll and Hyde, much like Tampa Bay Rowdies, uh, in the sense that they have one match. They, they've only come away with three points in one match uh, on the road. So what kind of 11 do you see from your team? What are some of the names that you know the Miami FC faithful should keep an eye on? And, and who's the biggest threat uh, to this Miami FC side? Sure, kind of set the tone for the away matches uh, for FC Cincinnati. It was a really difficult start to the season for FC Cincinnati. Of course, losing their head coach, they also brought in a lot of new guys who just weren't gelling together, and then they had a lot of injuries. We also had a, a span, I think, where we had four red cards in four matches. Oh. Um, yeah, it was just extremely difficult for FC Cincinnati to get into a groove. But recently they brought in some guys, uh, Justin Hoyt, former Arsenal player, Josu, who uh, was in La Masia. He'll probably start at left back, I would assume, this weekend. Uh, you have GB Fall up top, and you have Danny Koenig, who's, the, I guess, our backup striker, who I think will actually start uh, in Miami on Wednesday. He's just a guy that has an extreme high-level work rate, and he's going to try to press your defenders to maybe make them make a bad pass here and there. I don't think we're in a high press as a unit. I think it'll be more on him just as a one single person to put as much pressure on top up there. Uh, the one thing we've done is, you know, we had, we had 30 players on the roster at one point. We've let go a couple, one player or two players have returned back from loan. So I think that squad is down a little bit, but we've kind of put in units. So our wing backs you know, we play a, a, a three four three or three five two which you might see on on wednesday our wing backs are almost a unit so our right and left wing back uh joe sue and justin hoyt they might play together uh, on uh wednesday or you might even see a matt boehner former an nasl jacksonville armada player he might play in the right wing back just due to some injuries and certain things but the three guys you really need to look at are the three center backs 
whoever they're going to be. Austin Berry, former MLS Rookie of the Year. Harrison Delbridge, who's USL uh, Defender of the Year pretty much last year. And then it could either be Justin Hoyt at center back or uh, Paul Nicholson, uh, who's a, a very quality USL veteran who's been been around the block for time. So I think those are going to be the guys that FC Cincinnati are really going to rely on to disrupt any offensive chance that that Miami can generate. Because if they don't stop Miami scoring, if they don't come up with the huge tackles, I think it's going to be a long night for FC Cincinnati. If <laughs> if Miami gets on that board first, I'm not sure with this formation that there's a chance for them to come back, especially with the guys who I think are going to play in the midfield with Eric Stevenson, most likely Aiden Quinn, or maybe Marco Dominguez. Those guys aren't traditional playmakers. They're more defensive guys. They know the role. They're just going to try to disrupt play as much as they can in the middle of the park for, uh, for Miami. So, uh, you know, it, it, it would be a lot, it'd be a lot easier for me to say, you know, I think we could do X, Y, and Z. If we start Corbin bone and Kenny Walker in the midfield, two former MLS players, I just don't think coach Koch is going to do that because he hasn't done it yet all year. Now, if he does put those guys in, then I think the game could absolutely change. You might even see a four man back line versus a five man back line. So, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what squad he pulls out for this match. But, uh, up top, I think I said, Danny Connick, Jibby fall, Jibby fall has nine gate goals in league play he also has another three in u.s open cup play so he's a guy that can go and and bash uh goals in danny Connick has three goals and i want to say six or seven matches maybe a little bit more but uh he's just going to work you hard uh work your back four and, and hopefully maybe get a turnover and, and create something from it but don't look for fc cincinnati to push extremely hard in the first 60 minutes i just don't think that's what they're going to do i don't think that's been their mo in, in u.s open cup matches so far especially on the road it's one of those things where we've talked about on our show uh, how great it is to have a big roster and how great it is with the NASLs. Um, you know, with uh, listen, we're going to be honest. Ricardo Silva spends money. Nobody's going to sit here and deny that, at least not on Magic City Soccer. Um, and he tries to put the best eleven on the field. You know, regardless of what league he is playing in. Uh, in this case, it does happen to be the NASL. We've talked about the expansive depth of our roster. I am looking through your roster right now. And you got more players than we do, uh, <laughs> which is one of those things that's surprising considering uh, some of the makeup of NASL teams that we do play and also some of the teams that we play, uh, you know, uh, in the Open Cup so far. Atlanta United came in with a team that we thought would going to have Miguel Amarone. We thought we were going to see uh, Josef Martinez and we thought we would see um, Said, and we didn't see any of the three. But we got a handful of Andrew Carlton who put the defense on skates all night. Um, and with regards to Orlando, a lot of fans talking, oh, you played Orlando City B. Well, I said on this show if that if Orlando's going to field the USL squad, I'll throw a mortgage payment on that game because I don't think Orlando City B's the USL team could not be Miami in the 90-minute match. It was just not going to happen. And what did Orlando do? Orlando kind of put out, you know, a lot of people want to say Orlando put out the C team. They, they really didn't. They put out, like, you know, the, the BB plus squad because Kaká still played, Notorino still played, all of these guys still played. And my biggest fear was Haji Berry coming over the top. My biggest fear was a fast Atlanta striker, any one of those three crazy guys, coming through the middle of the defense. Does Cincinnati have that two dimensional speed guy coming over the middle where you know is it Dishby fall in the sense that i know he got on the score sheet tonight is, is is he a player that can you know burn by you down the middle and receive that aerial ball control it and finish one well he did do that today oh but great. That's, not his that's not his mo <laughs> uh, that over the top ball was a great ball from our midfielder kenny walker and uh, jb did beat 
did beat the the defender and uh you know took one touch and and slotted by the keeper which is probably one of his more beautiful goals all year but as i don't think that's him i think that is probably a little bit more of danny Connick. he's kind of um he's not a target man danny Connick. uh he's more of a guy that can you know play off a winger play off the midfielder and grab the ball turn and shoot uh, or even play a ball with his head but i just i'm not sure he's the guy that's going to go burn anybody right down the middle like that these two, it really just depends who you start. You know, traditionally when we started GB, we played a lot more balls in from the wings, and he's such an aerial threat. I think he's, I want to say six of his nine league goals are through the air. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so that is, it is what it is there. So if you have a pretty tall center back, physical center back, uh, I, I know he's been marked out of matches, especially versus Charleston, who has a wonderful back line. Um <laughs> But uh, if you can do that, that's just, uh, that's why I think Danny Danny Connick might might come in a little bit more because he just hustles, he gets into spots. Um, but then you might bring in GB in the last thirty of the match. So, well, that's one of those things where we were lining up for you know the Atlanta United round, uh, or really I should say I guess the last round, and we sat here and we thought to ourselves, okay, do you want Charleston or do you want Atlanta United? Do you want Charleston, who is notably a thorn in the side in every u.s open cup match they are a tough team to play against no matter what kind of competition you're playing in or do you want the offensive juggernaut and everybody in miami said give us atlanta because we don't want to play charleston and, and that's that's a, a bit of you know uh, good words there for charleston because they're <laughs> they're really annoying to play against that's really no oh. other way to put it well fc cincinnati has kind of taken a play page not play page out of charleston's notebook is they've Really try to lock it down on the defensive end, made it difficult for good offensive teams. That's uh, uh, Cincinnati. The first third of the year was trying to be a, a four-three-three style team, trying to break teams down, and they just weren't able to get it done. They found a lot more success locking it down in this three-four-three, five-three-two, depending on and where they, they they stand, and make it really tough and then counter. Mm-hmm. Against teams, we have Jamie McLaughlin, who's the guy you should really be afraid of if he plays. Again, I don't think he's going to start. I think he's going to come off. You know, he's probably one of our best players. I think he's going to come off, come on the match in the 60th minute, and then try to use his speed to, to break down a tired uh, Miami squad. If we are in that in that situation where it's you know zero zero or one to one, um, you know in that in that time frame, I mean it's just it, this is a team that's going to make it extremely difficult for Miami to break break down uh, that's been their mo the past you know six seven games the, the one name we haven't gotten to and i think the one name that miami fc fans will know and usually it's not the goalkeeper but in this case it is the goalkeeper it's it's mitch hildebrandt uh mitch hildebrandt notably uh surprisingly got on fox sports radio the day after his three goal you know, three goal save three saved yeah. shots penalty attempts uh in the shootout really must have taken a huge inspiration uh, from the Chilean goalkeeper who just hours before stopped three straight Portugal attempts um, in the Confederation Cups. Yes, we're going a couple of weeks back here. Um, but Mitch Hildebrand has a shirt. He has a motto that seems to be going through the Cincinnati FC faithful saying, Mitch says no. What's the story behind Mitch Hildebrand? Uh, what does he bring to the Cincinnati squad? Um, and is, is he as impressive normally as he was against the Chicago Fire, or did he honestly have the game of his career that night? Mitch was the 2016 USL Goalkeeper of the Year. Um, 
I think he was one of the leaders on, you know, of a back line or leading a back line of inexperienced guys who haven't played together. I think he organizes his back line extremely well. Uh, he did make some amazing saves. And with Mitch, especially in that Chicago and Columbus match, is when he decides that he's just going to make plays, he does. I mean, he literally, it's, it's that mentality. If when he just gets in that mode, and he's done it in previous games throughout the you know the year. I think he has eight clean sheets so far for him, which is great. When he just gets in that zone, he's he's almost unbeatable. But then he ha- he'll have a one-off game, or you know every every come you know every so so many games. You saw it versus uh, Tampa Bay, and I don't even want to say Tampa Bay was really his fault, but he'll get into a zone where he's a little bit iffy on a cross, or if he's a little timid, then he's not as good. But Mitch says no. It's, it's kind of been the mantra of you know this is a guy who's been an all-star shot stopper. And uh, there's no reason why this guy shouldn't be in MLS. He's only 28 years old. He, sh- he, he, I guarantee you he'll get some pretty good looks after this year, or maybe this transfer market, which opens here in a day, uh, to get some decent looks. Uh, the he's been an extreme fan favorite. He comes over after every match and does this this kind of Viking clap with the Bailey, which is the the, the fan section, and uh, that's just kind of been uh, another element to his uh, his ethos. Uh, the whole talk after. That match on uh, versus Chicago was is he going to be the first FC Cincinnati player that they make you know they build a a, a bronze statue of like we do <laughs> the, the Reds games and uh, you know he's he's definitely earned it uh, he's fiery he can kind of get on his guys a little bit uh, through the first quarter of the season when we were just terrible we were sitting in like second last place uh, I think you know we heard some rumors that him and a couple of the guys got into it, but I think that's a good thing. I think you need a guy like that who's a leader and, and can get under guys' skin and you know force them to play a little bit better. I'm he's always coaching his guys up. You know if they make an error, and, and you know, sometimes people can get offended by that. I think it's a good thing as well. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, that Chicago match was a magical cup performance, magical run. I don't know if we'll ever do it again. He's an exceptional penalty stopper. Uh, Clearly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he he really is. I don't have a stat in front of me, but uh, <laughs> everybody knows. Yeah. But uh, you know, he's an extremely quality goalkeeper. Uh, I would love for him to be in Cincinnati for the long term. I don't think he will be. I said he's only 28 years old for a goalkeeper. That's starting to get into your prime, and there's no reason why an MLS club shouldn't look at him harder. I I agree. Um, you know, that's a story that has not only gone through the nation, but, you know, looking into this game, and, and I'm sure as Miami FC starts their prep work uh, for Cincinnati, he's going to be a big part of it um, because he can, you know, he can stand on his head in order to borrow a hockey reference, and, and he can, you know, decide games and steal points for his team. This is the caliber of goalie that, you know, Cincinnati possess. So it'll be key for, you know, the Miami players to figure out his weaknesses and, and figure out, really how to slot through there and, and, you know, make him have to have a hard night. Um, but that being said, what is your, <clears throat> excuse me, what is your prediction uh, for Wednesday night's game? It all depends on, to me, the first <coughs> 60 minutes. I've said it to, to you a couple times already is if, if FC Cincinnati can hold Miami FC scoreless through the first 60, I think it's game on because then I think you're going to see Jimmy McLaughlin, Either Danny or JB, whoever didn't start, I think one of those two will come on. And then I think you'll see probably one of our playmakers in the midfield come on, such as Corbin Bone or Kenny Walker, if those guys don't start. I just That's how we played the entire cup so far, and I, I think that's how you'll see it go there. 
if they concede early, game over. Um, if they get down two goals, I think you have nothing to worry about. I think Miami will cruise from there. If they give up one, I still think FC Cincinnati has enough firepower to come in and score. Uh, they scored in the run of play versus Columbus. They should have scored in the run of play versus Chicago. Um, you know, tonight, you know, they only won Sunday night. They only won two, two to nothing versus Richmond, but that easily could have been, honestly, you know, I don't like throwing the, you know, four or five to zero scores around, but there's no reason why that, that match tonight shouldn't have. I mean, their goalkeeper stood on his head, um, and they also put a bunch of balls off the crossbar, too. So, uh, it's, it's, it's a team that can score. Um, but I think it's really going to be what Miami does in the first 60 that's going to dictate and determine things. What they did versus Chicago, FC Cincinnati just wore, wore Chicago out through the first 60. And, uh, you know, I don't know Miami's mental fortitude. If they can withstand 60 minutes and not being successful, what's going to happen there? So, uh, you know, Chicago didn't really respond well. And uh, I think that played in FC Cincinnati's hands. All right, I'm going to go a little levitard on you here. All right, this is a Miami show. We don't we yeah. don't do runarounds with definite answers. I need a score, Brian. Well, you know, I flipped a coin on our show and it came Brian, up heads. Brian, give me a score, Brian. But uh, I don't think Miami will score more than two goals. So we'll say two to one Miami, just because FC Cincinnati hasn't won too many. But I wouldn't also be surprised if it was like a zero zero into penalty kicks. That wouldn't shock me one bit, just because the defense of FC Cincinnati has been our strength, and they're starting to really round into some pretty good form. Fair enough. I, I appreciate you. I appreciate I would, you giving me a score there. I would absolutely favor Miami in this game if, if if they can do what I've seen them do. Fair enough. I, I appreciate <laughs> you. I know I pressed you there just a little bit, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, before I let you go, I do want to go ahead and, and, and ask you a quick question. Semi-personal, so I'm hijacking this just a little bit here. Um there seems to be strong talks about Cincinnati possibly being one of the four targets for MLS expansion. Uh, yeah. You know, we, we think Miami is going to be an automatic lock for it. Uh, we know Tampa Bay is making a strong push. Cincinnati is another one that's making a lot of noise with regards to that aspect. One of the proposals for stadiums have FC Cincinnati playing across the river in the state of Kentucky, uh, notably in Newport, Kentucky, um, where... You know, they, they seem to be getting a favorable deal. Is that something that you think that could actually happen, or is this team going to stay within the Ohio boundary? So let me put it to you this way. The current venue for FC Cincinnati is about four miles away from the city center of Cincinnati. They're proposed two sites in Ohio away from the city center. One is like six miles which would actually be significantly further than Kentucky. And the other one is about like 1.3 miles. Okay. The Newport Stadium would be a 600-yard walk across <laughs> a bridge. And the renderings have it right on the river overlooking Great American Ballpark, the Red Stadium. And it's on this this beautiful plot of land just off of like four big interstate highways. So it should be easily accessible I personally think if FC Cincinnati 
is going to succeed, it needs to be either in that closer Ohio or in Newport. I don't. I think that long, the further out one wouldn't be is 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 good. But I think there's actually a surprising amount of support for the Kentucky thing, just because it's only like three, three four minute drive further. It's not like Bridgeview or it's not like Philadelphia where it's significantly out of the city center. I mean, it's 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 the city center. Cincinnati is is kind of like Kansas City where it's both sides of the river, except one side's Kentucky, one side's Ohio. Uh, the the significant reason why Cincinnati is looking at Newport is it's a part of a huge super TIF development over in uh, Newport, and essentially they would get over a hundred million dollars worth of public funds Ooh. through this TIF. It's already approved, already sitting there. They've approved this. It's been approved for since like 2009 in the super TIF area, and. It's just sitting there, and if they they co-op with this this company, uh, I believe called Ovation, it would happen. I mean, it's going to happen. So you know, it's it's not even one of the dirty forms of public funds. It's a, it's a TIF. It's tax increment financing. It's taking right. a blighted area, and you know, making a five hundred million dollar investment with all the other things going around it. So I think it would be a good thing, uh, and, and there's a significant amount of support with with it. Um, in terms of your Tampa Bay. I think uh, Miami's going to kiss Tampa Bay's MLS bid goodbye unless uh, Nashville, Cincinnati, San Antonio, and a couple other places. No offense to you guys in Tampa Bay. I just don't think it's going to happen if Miami gets their, their bid there, especially because you're only building an 18,000-seat facility, and I can't believe that's still allowed. We, uh, we had 21,000, nearly 22,000 fans on a Sunday night versus Richmond in Cincinnati. 20, 22,000 fans versus Richmond. So, yeah, there's like 3,000 versus Tampa Bay and Cincinnati. Sorry, sorry, I'm trying not, I'm trying to be nice, but I just need to be realistic here. If Cincinnati gets their stadium plan done, to me, there's no way in heck you can keep them out. They're hosting a U.S. Women's National Team game. Just got announced. We're hosting in September. The only, you know, the only times Columbus Crew ever sells their games out are when Cincinnati fans go up there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just a soccer hotbed, honestly. Uh, I'm not trying to throw a lot of shade out here, but, I mean, it's it's really, this place is going nuts. When, uh, I can't remember who, there's a major personality that came through Cincinnati's airport. And he said, I'm walking through Cincinnati's airport. And, you know, who would you expect to see the most T-shirts? Would you expect to see more UK? Would you expect to see Cincinnati Bengals, Cincinnati Reds? He went, no, I see more FC Cincinnati T-shirts on people than anybody else. And that's been the story of it. It hasn't been free tickets. It hasn't been, uh, you know, coming up just because they're successful. It's just it's been a movement. So I really think that FC Cincinnati is going to be something to behold if, you know, if they can get their stadium done. So I know that's a long answer there, but no, you're good. Yeah, I mean it's pretty passionate. Uh, yeah, that's I mean, what, listen, that's what we like on the show. We we are shade throwers, man. We sometimes border the line of inappropriateness in order to throw shade well, at rivals. And Matt, Mike, shots fired over there on you subs. Uh, no, uh, again, all kidding aside, though. Sure. If if you ever do uh, decide, if you guys do get the MLS squad, and and you know you want to back an NASL team. Uh, Listen, man, I think you're making a strong push to be our, our fourth host on this show with we that go. kind of talk. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> you know, it, it's just a – I know there's a lot of shade and a lot of talk thrown around with these these MLS, MLS expansion bids. 
you know, people were, were questioning Cincinnati for a long time, and I think if St. Louis would have gotten in, I think you would write off Cincinnati. I really do. And you never know, Cincinnati, St. Louis might get in at some point, but I think them not getting in really opened up everything for FC Cincinnati, especially in these. I think if they can get in the next two, these first two spots, uh, I think that's where, yeah, I think that's where their shot's going to be. If it, if they don't get in the first two, I think it's a lot more likely that somebody else gets a spot. I can do a whole show with you about X- oh yeah, expansion and, and St. Louis, and our listeners know I have a soft spot for St. Louis uh, in my heart. Uh, and with regards to the soccer hotbed that is St. Louis. But that said, ooh, we've gone a little long here. Brian, thank you so, so much for joining our pod here at Magic City Soccer. Let our listeners know where they can find your content. Yeah, at Cincy Soccer Talk on Twitter and CincinnatiSoccerTalk.com. You also have variations of that on YouTube and Facebook. We do a lot of video content as well, so check that out. Brian, appreciate it, bud. We have to do this again soon. Thank you, and uh, you know we'll we'll make sure you guys, if you do play Tampa Bay, yeah, uh, just make sure to 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 somehow spike Joe Cole's ankle for us next time. <laughs> Sounds good. Have a great night, Brian. Appreciate it. All right. So uh, those are Brian's thoughts on the game. Uh, I had to levitard him there just a little bit and, and get an answer from him. Um, but you know, it goes to show that Miami is really a respected team, not only around NASL, but you know the shock waves are are being felt around all of the united states and a 14 game unbeaten run will do that for just about any club um it, it does put a target on your back however at the same time you know it, it also might allow for some teams to over prepare uh for your side which is always something that any manager would be fond of because if they over prepared then guess what you can play a simpler game and and kind of get away with another victory uh, on that end. So, with regards to Cincinnati, um, you know, as I discussed with Brian, their biggest name on that club doesn't happen to be a striker, and it doesn't happen to be a midfielder or a defender. It's actually their goalkeeper, Mitch Hildebrandt. Um, you know, Drew, Matt, with regards to Mitch Hildebrandt, and, and yes, goalies have great games, and goalies stand on their heads, and goalies have horrendous games, and, and it's not necessarily always to their credit or always their fault, but is this a guy that you guys are worried about, you know, given his hype, especially pulling the Claudio Bravo and stopping three penalty shots against, you know, the Chicago Fire? Um, I think anytime you're playing a goalie that has a reputation, it's going to give you a little bit of, a little bit of fright. Um, yeah, considering that guy basically, I don't want to say single-handedly, but, but, for the most part, stifled Chicago Fire, who had a pretty legit lineup out, and held them scoreless. And then anytime you get into penalty kicks, it's it's luck of the draw, man. Um, I'm confident in my team. I'm confident in my team's abilities. I think we can play and beat anyone on any given day. Um, but yeah, certainly, I I would say I, I'm I, I have concern. That would be the way I put it. That that did he just have the game of his life, or is he, you know, channeling something else and it's going to carry through? It, 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 did he just have have that one good showing against a great team and good for him? Uh, or, you know, is it going to travel? And I think that's the big question with Cincinnati overall. Is their incredible home form able to travel? And so far in the USL, it hasn't. They haven't done particularly well on the road. But the Open Cup is one game, and anybody can win a one-game sample. And Drew... 
So this is a team notably that likes to play 10 guys behind the box. They, I've looked through some game tape. I've looked at a lot of their deployments and they're not a high press team. They're not a team that will go out of their way to try to pen you in as we've seen Atlanta United and the Cosmos try to do to Miami. Um, Miami's chances, what, what are the options? What does Miami need to do in order to make sure that if this team's going to sit back and kind of allow Miami to, you know, unload a barrage of shots on them, what, what, what's the game plan here? What do you want to see from the guys up front or the guys in the middle? Yeah, that's the thing. If they, if they park the bus or sit everybody back early, I mean, that's an interesting strategy to take against Miami, but... Um, obviously with our, with our offense as on fire as, as it is and our, our talent levels up front, um, you know, I think, I think we're, and we're going to eventually win that battle. You know, we may, we may not score in the, you know, five and three in the first 15 minutes or one in the first five minutes, but I I don't think they're going to be able to hold that up for more than 30 minutes. So if, if they do do that, I would say we would get a goal in the first half. I think it's just going to come down to. Um, players like Ranello or Blake Smith just throwing in a great cross or, uh, you know, maybe working like the triangle a little, doing doing some passing and, and eventually just burning their players. I mean, if, if you look at the USL Eastern standings, the Tampa Bay Rowdies are, are freaking uh, three points ahead of Cincinnati and above them on the table, and we beat them pretty casually 2-0. Um, you know, the team we all didn't want to play, the battery is sitting at top of that league, and uh, it's a it's a fifteen it's a fifteen team league. If you look at the if you look at the table right now, everybody's played fifteen games in the lower half of the table. You know, there's seven or what is that? Six teams with only five wins. You know, there's 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 a lot of uh, FC Edmontons and FC Puerto Ricos in that league. So <laughs> I <laughs> I feel like their stats are maybe a little overhyped, um, but nonetheless, they're a good team. But the thing that goes to our advantage is what uh, Matt and Omar said was that they don't play well on the road. And, you know, who uh, I don't know if they play on grass or turf, but I think that's going to be a factor too. And especially with the, the Miami Heat, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna get their chins checked. Insert the old school Miami Heat theme song here. It's Miami Heat. <laughs> All right, no more singing. Um, we can't be. Thank be- you. Um, so it's it's one of these situations where a lot like the Rowdies, man, Cincinnati is almost like a uh, you know Jekyll and Hyde kind of team because if you look at the Rowdies' performance on the road this season, they've collected you know they have one win in nine games and four draws, and Cincinnati's played eight games on the road this season in usl play and they have one win and two draws so you know for whatever reason this usl team reminds me a lot of you know the second division argentina league here comes a degenerate out where the home team seems to win a lot of the games and the team seem to play better at home fc cincinnati third best team at home tampa bay second best team at home in the eastern conference of the usl but when you put these teams on the road they just they don't perform um so it's going to be interesting to see. You know, Mike LaHood said notably a few press conferences ago that, you know, if a team wants to play a high press for 90 minutes, best of luck to you because the humid heat and the humidity is going to swallow you up and spit you out, and you're not going to be able to do that in the city. Now seeing a team who, you know, according to their pundits, is saying that, you know, they're not going to do that at all, it's, it's almost kind of a shocker, um, and, and, and hopefully Nesta and the technical staff pick up on, on that. Because there will be an answer for that situation. I can't imagine 
seeing a, a Louis van Gaal style Miami FC team, you know, controlling the ball and, and never getting shots towards the goal because there's just so many bodies in front, you know, from a, a park the bus style defense. So it, it will be interesting to see. Um, guys, opinions, thoughts, what is the, the final score on this match if we're going to do prediction radio here? I'm just going to go crazy, though, because the other thing with the park-the-bus strategy is you have to remember the the refereeing in these leagues, in these lower division leagues. So I feel like with that strategy, you just completely have a way higher chance of ending up with a PK. So that may yeah. be, yeah, that's that's like a way more likely opportunity to happen if you if you choose that tactic. But um, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to go with 4-1, man. Four one. Four one. I mean, yeah, look, I, 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 I think, I think it's gonna start slow. Like you said, they're gonna, they're gonna pack the players in. I think once we penetrate, maybe one goal in the first half, uh, maybe Cincinnati equalize, and then we're just gonna lay it on. All right, Matt, what do you think? Uh, Hashtag we got this. <laughs> I'm a little more conservative, I guess. Um, I, I think it'll be a tough challenge. I think FC Cincinnati thinks they're the the Cinderella, they're the you know the 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 underdog story that's meant to be, and I think that I, I hate to get into like pop psychology and sports because oftentimes it's just bull. It doesn't really matter much, but I, I do think there is something to be said, especially in like these one-off games where that confidence can kind of carry you in and carry you on. And like Drew said, I think it's going to be slow at the start. And it's going to be way too long before there's a first goal. But I do think Miami FC gets it. And I do think Miami FC will win 2-1. That's my prediction. I think Hildebrand will play a hell of a game. I think he will give up two goals that are probably not his fault. Uh, But I think it'll be 2-1. I don't think Cincinnati gets more than one. And I don't think we get less than two. And I think that's the, the, the... the long and the short of it. Uh, I, I do think if if a team is likely to win four one, it would be Miami. Since that's not the way Cincinnati is going to win, and I don't think I'm, I'm I'm that's a really hot take at all. I think it's pretty <laughs> logical. I think Cincinnati is going to want to grind it down. I think they're going to want to play in the mud. Um, but yeah, I, I just I, I I I'm I'm cautious. But I I think Miami FC have a very 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 good opportunity to advance to the semifinals of the u.s open cup which is wild like it's a it's a really funny thing to say you know we've had this conversation before um about who did miami fc want to play did they did they want the mls competition and there's all the kind of psychology games that we play about oh well if we lose to cincinnati it looks bad because they're usl and actually we wanted to play the harder team and actually we you know it's all this but to be able to say, and again, it's a really, really, really legitimate possibility that in three days' time, this team will be a semifinalist in the U.S. Open Cup. That's insane from where we were sitting even three months ago. To, to have said, if we came on this podcast three months ago and said, yeah, you know what? I think Miami FC, the goal for this year is to win the spring season going away and be in the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. That's freaking nuts. It's nuts. It, it, uh, but it's... It's right there for the taking. It's crazy, and and Matt, I think your views uh, are are very much alongside the ones of Vegas. Um, Miami FC opened <laughs> opened as a one goal uh, favorite in this match. They are a heavy favorite on the money line outright at minus one eighty five. Uh, that being said, if you were to bet uh, one dollar or one hundred dollars 
um, you would get a return of 54 cents or $54 respectively on your bet should Miami win. So you're getting just a little over one to two um, on your money there. The over seems to be the favorite right now. The line is at two and a half. Uh, and minus 135 for those of you that took the over in the atlanta united game you were rewarded very quickly uh, with regards to that as the over was yeah, no kidding. uh in that match and if you took the over in san francisco i didn't even look at the line so congratulations to you because it was a one side of a of the line um <laughs> i said on their show and i will say on this show i think the game is 3-1 miami um part of me is worried when i do say that but i think here's the situation um San Francisco came in to Miami uh, allowing the fewest goals uh, in the NASL play. They had allowed only two goals in all of their road matches, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and they had not lost a game on the road coming in, and Miami handled them pretty soundly. Cincinnati has allowed 10 goals on the road this season and 18 goals total uh, throughout the USL play. If you look at their Open Cup results... They didn't allow a goal to the crew. They didn't allow a goal to the fire. Uh, I don't think they allowed a goal to AFC Cleveland. And guess what? They didn't allow a goal to Louisville City. So if we're talking about the Open Cup, and we're talking just about, you know, FC Cincinnati, they haven't let in a fucking goal in the entire tournament. Pardon my language, but they haven't let in a goal the entire tournament. And I, you know... Until very they played say, Miami. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> think... Um, I think a lot is to be made of the fact that they did not allow Chicago Fire to score a goal. But I also think a lot is to be said that Chicago Fire had a two-man advantage on Orlando City for about 35 minutes and they couldn't score a goal. So, Chicago Fire don't prove to be the same team on the road as they do at home. And I think that is a huge kicker with regards to the situation. Um, I think Miami has a 2-1 lead in the game. And I think a late goal after just you know one of those defeatist bad passes uh or you know one of those we got to get back in the game quickly bad passes comes in and miami gets a third goal on the night to secure the victory and move on to the semifinals of the u.s open cup um with regards to the u.s open cup before we go ahead and move forward with other miami soccer news there will be four matches in four days for the u.s open cup i know if you're an open cup fanatic this is just about the best week of soccer for you why we're recording on July 10th, tonight at 10.30, in about an hour from now, San Jose take on the LA Galaxy. Tomorrow, excuse me, tomorrow, Sporting Kansas City will take on FC Dallas. Uh, Wednesday, uh, I hate all these games. Know, <laughs> Wednesday, as you know, Miami <laughs> SC will host uh, FC Cincinnati at home. And the kicker, um, the winner of the Miami Cincinnati match will take on the winner of the Revolution Red Bulls match. Uh, which will play on Thursday, and I'm assuming the draw will either happen Thursday morning or Friday morning to see who's going to host um, that, you know, semifinal game. So that's real quick, from the US Open. I'm, yes. I'm gonna bust you up. I'm gonna bust you up. Who would you rather play, the Red Bulls or the Revolution? Ah, oh, crap, man. All right, so we're gonna do this. Okay. Uh, uh, real quick, real quick. <laughs> I don't want super MLS analyst. Blah 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 blah. Thirty seconds. Go. Ha. Okay, cool. Uh, Omar, pick, it, it, it's a pick your poison situation. Um, because one team has Bradley Wright Phillips and the other team has Kai Kamara. Um, so I want to play the team that doesn't have the good wingers. So whichever team has worse wingers, that's the team I want to play. Because either way, up the middle, pick your poison. Both those guys are two three-dimension strikers, and they can cause havoc to anybody. Yeah, I'm I'm in the Omar school. If I think I want to avoid 
uh, Wright Phillips. Um, but it's going to be tough. The semi, everything, every step of the way has been tough and getting tougher. And and you know, some people may say, "Oh, well, Cincinnati is not." It's it's its own challenge. But man, playing one of those two teams is 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 going to be interesting, especially if it's away from home. It's going to be a real uphill climb. Um, but I, I guess. I have a very good friend who is a Revolution fan, and I can't I can't really stomach the idea that we would get knocked out um, by the Revolution. Um, so I think I want to play New York, but uh, yeah, it's 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 tough. If we host the match, I will say I'd much rather end up playing New York because uh, I think the Red Bulls will sell out FIU Stadium. Um, and again, I sell out's a big notion for a team that hasn't drawn over ten thousand yet this season. Um, so to double that number would be fantastic, and I think the Red Bulls have the notoriety to do it. Um, but again, I, you know, it's it's pick your poison, Drew. If you if you take the Red Bulls, you have to play Bradley Wright Phillips and and Sasha Klushin. And if you yeah. play the Revolution, you have to play Juan Agadello, Lee Wynn, and Kai Kamara. So it's it's really you know pick your poison. Who can yeah. your team defend I, against better? I I think the Revs will win that game, and but I'd rather play the Red Bulls. I'm more I'm I'm a semi Red Bulls fan. And I was going to say, are we going to have an Omar situation? Where we don't <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Well, first of all, I'm a Metro <laughs> Stars fan, and I got beef with the Rebels yes. fans from when I went up there a couple of years ago. But uh, Mike, what's his name? Mike Correa got injured for them, so I think they have a little bit of a midfield issue where they cannot uh, go full force on their midfield. But um, if they beat the Revolution, I think our odds are better of beating the Red Bulls than it is of the Revolution. So. Um, I think the Revolution are going to take it, but I would like to play the Red Bulls. I, I think I picked actually the Red Bulls in the in the Pick'em tournament, so we'll see what yeah, happens. I'm in fourth I just, place I and think I'm, the Red Bulls. I'm, I'm in fourth place and I'm Hindenburging right now. <laughs> <laughs> freaking out, man! I'm freaking out. I was tied for first, and I was just like, <sighs> once the MLS teams are left, I got no hope. <laughs> So, you know, uh, again, it, it's one of those situations where, you know, pick, pick your poison is the best way to describe it. So, you know, we'll see. Um, we, we will definitely see. It should be fun. Um, guys, do you want to go into the local stuff? Yeah, let's uh, let's rock some uh, NPSL first. All right, let's yes. do it. All right, Matt, Drew, that's your territory, boys. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, congratulations are in order to Miami Fusion who win their second-ever Sunshine Conference uh, title. Uh, they defeated Naples United in a, in a really a kind of thrilling conclusion um, on the road 2-1. Um, or, or no, I'm sorry, 3-2. Uh, uh, um, with uh, a header right at the end, 91st minute, to clinch the title. Uh, it, it wound up not mattering because Miami United lost their game to Jacksonville United under 23. Um, but still, they don't really know that at the time, so the whole the whole thing is setting right in front of them. Um, it was uh, it's a really impressive season. It's it's a league that is has come to be dominated by Miami teams in the last three four years. Uh, basically, Miami United and Miami Fusion have traded off winning the title. Yeah, for the past four um, years. Uh, fu- <laughs> yeah, fu- Fusion won in fifteen. United won in fourteen and sixteen. Um, yeah, it's a real, it's a it's a tremendous credit to them. They go on to the southeastern region playoffs. Uh, it, if I'm not mistaken, they clinch a spot in the U.S. Open Cup. Correct. Uh, next year, um, it's 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 a really impressive achievement, and it's another title for South Florida soccer. 
So also, if if you want to go to just watch this game, because I know you wrote the article on it, Matt, but I think this will be still a drama-packed game, is that they're playing on Saturday, correct? I think at 7? Yes. 7 or 8, United will play Fusion. Uh, Fusion won the league, United's eliminated, but I still feel at this point this is a solid game to go to. <laughs> Every time yeah, I've gone to any since... of those games, there's always been some sort of like near fight, something ridiculous happening. Well, and you didn't even go to the one where there actually was... Oh, oh, drama. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last time these teams played, the game was suspended in the 67th minute because of, uh, I, I, again, I wrote a, a bit of a, a look at it um, that is now rendered pointless because United lost and Fusion won, but I kind of wrote a preview like, what if this game actually matters? Um, and I mentioned that the last time they played, there was a, you know, if you talk to Miami United, uh, they'll tell you that Miami Fusion's ownership provoked their fans. And if you talk to Miami Fusion, you'll say that Miami United's fans were violent and disruptive. But uh, the last time they played, which was at um, at Miami Fusion, it, it, the game was suspended and not replayed. So there is definitely, you know, you're going to get your money's worth for entertainment, whether it's on the field or in the stands. Yeah, my, it should. I, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I like the Fusion all. Like, you know, I'm, I've. Obviously, a United fan because they've been around longer, but the Fusion just need to figure figure out how to use the internet, and also get us. Oh my God! Yes, yeah, and get a <laughs> and get a home stadium because now they're playing in like Pembroke Pines, and they're the Miami Fusion. Like I feel like you should they're be able playing, to. They're playing. They're playing in Miami Dade County. That's why we talk about them. They are playing. You could spit oh, and care. hit I talk the about Broward Boca border a bunch of times, but. Like, they, because but no, like they, they they exist in our universe because we talk about Miami Dade County and they do play in Miami Dade County. But it's literally you could you could you know if the goalie clears it in the wrong direction, it could wind up in Broward County. <laughs> yeah, the thing is, it's their third stadium in three years, and I feel like with that name, you should be able to trick a fair amount of people into coming to your games. But uh, <laughs> the advertising isn't there. Yeah, they're definitely kind of the. They exist in the shadow of Miami United in terms of awareness and kind of operation, but they they win the title every other year. Yeah. <laughs> so it's you know they're 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 doing what they need to do, I guess. But yeah, so it's it's it is a Miami Fusion. It's an odd number year, so it's a Miami Fusion year. Um, congratulations to their players again. They they really dug out a gutsy win, and uh, yeah, now we have a team to kind of pull for in the NPSL playoffs, which will be exciting. I think that'll be coming around within the next. Three weeks within. The, I think. I think by the end of the month is when those are supposed to start going. It's always amazing how. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's always amazing how short those seasons feel, don't it? Oh well, I, I will out myself a little bit here. Uh, something we talked about before the podcast. It's a little bit embarrassing, but it's, <laughs> it is me supporting local soccer. I bought season tickets to Miami United and have not been able to go to one game because it just the se- I feel like the season started. It's like, oh yeah, well make sure to clear up a Saturday to go or a Friday to go, and then this weekend is the last game, and I'm out of town. Um, so I do my my bit to support local soccer, but I actually didn't get a chance to go out. So that's that's all, that's bad on my part, bad on me. Um, but as I said before the conversation, I'm still paying the money, so I feel like I, I can't I can't be yelled at too much. But yeah, those seasons go by in the blink of an eye, man. Um, it was it was um, yeah. It, it's it's again. Drew and I both. I, th- I think we all here have a bit of a a, a lean towards Miami United. 
Um, but it's not, you know, it's not where if one team, if, if Fusion wins it, we want them to lose in the next round. I want them to win the whole thing. Because um, yeah, we all hate Chattanooga. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Screw you, Chattanooga. Did, did you you heard it here first. <laughs> we all hate Chattanooga. Yes, yes, we do. Yes. Screw Chattanooga. Well, shouts um, out real quick before we get into um, PDL talk here. Um, shouts out to FC Surge. Uh, I guess it seems like the season's over. Um, it's a short nine-game yes. season for them. Uh, they come away with 6-2-1, 19 points. I'm not even going to pretend that I know how the WPSL playoffs and schedule works, but they did come in second in the Sunshine standings, only behind Tampa Bay United that finished, guess what, Cork City, like Celtic, like perfect, 9-0-0, didn't drop one point uh, over those nine games, so more, you know, shout out to Tampa Bay United for that, I know they are now affiliated with the Rowdies, um, and I also know that, uh, you know, FC Surge put on a strong showing throughout the season, because to only, you know, drop three games and, and really, you know, drop lose two and, and not pick up four points in another is incredibly impressive for them. Yeah, I would definitely, I'll, I'll put that out, out into the universe here and I'll say it, I, I would love if FC Surge partnered up with, with one of the uh, local teams, if it was Miami FC, if it was Miami United or, or whatever it would be. I know Miami United has talked about forming a, a women's team. They, they had um, one at one point two years ago. Yes, I, I, I think that that is a... A, an untapped market. Uh, I think that's something that that FC Surge is doing a heck of a job trying to, to get attention for, but but to get to kind of create a, a partnered brand or kind of a, kind of a united brand. I think that would work out well for everyone because because yeah, I mean, America is nothing if not a women's soccer country. Like it's 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 we have you know you, you go. I, I still remember fondly. Going to batch in 2015, and that place hey. was packed wall to wall. Oh, were you there, there when we that? broke the projector? We were all there for that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, was, we, I was there. Yes, <laughs> yes. That was that was lovely. I think that was the first part. AO game at that bar, and we broke like a yes. fifteen hundred dollar overhead projector. And the, yep. the scary part about that situation, guys, is that the three of us didn't know each other as of that day. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yep. you know, I was. I may have known Matt, batch. but not you. I was in the front of Batch watching, like, on their front porch because I got a table there. Uh, and we were watching on, on a pull-down projector inside. And I remember hearing about the projector breaking and seeing AO, like, really? We have to pay for this shit now? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was um, – I was kind of in a side room and, and heard it because and I, <laughs> I, was, I was glued to a TV and I was like, "Oh, something's something's amiss. What happened?" And then it was like, "Oh yeah, uh, the projector's broken. That sucks." All right, we and now everyone is removing moving themselves around and trying to figure out how to see a TV, and it just got even more crowded than what it was. But um, I'm not yeah, going to say I broke the projector, but I was in the grassy knoll. <laughs> <laughs> you are the second shooter. Yeah. You can confirm that you're the second shooter. Um, but yeah, so so hats off to FC Surge. Uh, but next year, let's get first place, ladies, because the you know we're, we're I, if we have a team in Dade County, we want to win the whole thing. And second is good, but first is better. So so rebuild, reload for next year, and, and take those fools from Tampa Bay down. Um, I guess the last the, the last bit of local business to tie up is FC Miami City, um, uh, who they are in the PDL. Um, and um, they have got themselves in a pretty good position too. We're we're hoping for a a three team uh, a three team sweep of of local titles. That would be fantastic. And 
you know, FC Miami City have had a strong showing this season. 9-1-1 through 11 matches. There are only two games left before the playoffs um, in the PDL schedule. That being said, there probably will be a, a, a game that they have to play to qualify into the semifinals because uh, it doesn't seem at the moment, unless, you know, barring unforeseen for, uh, circumstances, that they do win the league. They're within, you know, they're within fighters punch distance there, man, because you're looking at three points separating, uh, sorry, separating them between the first place team, the SEMA Eagles and Miami City. The weird part about this whole situation is that Miami City has played many teams in this league twice. However, it seems like they only play the SEMA Eagles once, which is really bizarre. But then again, it is a nine team league and it looks like the Eagles, uh, the team in first place is a team that they don't get to play <laughs> twice within this division and system. So it's, it's a little unfortunate with regards to that aspect. Um, there is two games left in the season. They will play the Villages SC, the notorious Villages SC of the Open Cup run last year uh, on July 12th, which would be Wednesday. Um, and they have a home match. So imagine Saturday seems to be a big soccer day in Miami. You've got yeah, yeah. Miami City playing at 6 o'clock. You have Miami United playing, I think, at 7 or 7.30 in Hialeah. And you've got Miami FC uh, at San Francisco at with a 10 p.m. start. So realistically speaking, you can catch every game um, if you are that passionate about the situation. Yeah, clear your schedules. Clear them out. I, I, I'm 90% I'm <laughs> sure I'll be at the FC Miami City game. Uh, they're playing the Rowdies under 23, so it's it's going to be a good matchup. Um, that league is insane, man. They're, that team, <laughs> they played 11 games, won 9 Tied one, uh, lost one, and they have a plus twenty eight goal differential. Are, are they <laughs> like, leading the, the goal differential situation or no? They they are leading goal differential, yeah. Okay. So if yeah, they, I think FC Miami City could still wind up in first if they don't. Yeah, stop if 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 they losing. if they tie against the Villages, they will then be ahead of Sima with goal differential. But and, then and what after they beat, that. If they beat the villages, if they beat right. the villages, yes, yeah. One thing I, I right wasn't now they're aware a game looking... behind, but they're three points back. Right, that yeah. that's the kicker. I wasn't aware. I was looking at the at the minimized version of the table, and it looks like Miami City has a game in hand on the Aguilas. So, you know, they are way within a fighter's punch chance of of getting, um, you know, the top of the table here. All they have to do is stay perfect, and they will go ahead and be crowned, you know, the the PDL champions of the Southeast Region. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of exciting soccer to look forward to. Not even to mention the the international friendlies that are on their way in a couple of weeks, which we'll have time to talk about then. But it's a uh, you know uh, Miami FC every every su- I say every summer. There have been two summers now, but every summer that they've been around, uh, they've done their summer of soccer promotions, and it's 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 really more true than ever that. If you're interested in soccer, whether it's local club team or international friendlies or or, or, or club friendlies, um, South Florida and Miami-Dade County is the place to be because you basically can't turn around without some team, you know, uh, playing Nicaragua or uh, you know Juventus and Paris Saint-Germain or Bar- Barcelona and, and Real Madrid facing off. There's just so much. Um, I do want to give a shout out because. I saw someone, uh, I, I want to give appropriate credit to who pointed it out in the Dade Brigade chat. Uh, oh, it was you, Drew. Oh, well, now I feel like I'm <laughs> hey, um, uh, <laughs> I'm on this podcast. Miami, 
<laughs> Miami FC has a very interesting twist on their summer of soccer promotion. Um, where there have been in the past, uh, you know, five tickets, fifty bucks uh, that has included the Atlanta game. But if you're if you're slow to act and, and let's say you're you're a little bit new to the Miami FC thing, which if you're listening to this, I'm very confused. But um, fifty bucks for three tickets, which sounds not as good because um, you'd been getting five, but it's three tickets and a chance to win tickets to PSG Juventus or Real Madrid Barcelona, which is the toughest ticket in this town this summer and the all-star game is tomorrow night. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting twist on what the team has done. And I think a good way to kind of reach out to, you know, those people that we lament all the time that have their nose up of at local soccer and, and trying to drag them out and get them in the stadium and have them experience the fun that is a, a Miami FC game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there have been raffles, uh, across a couple of the other local soccer organizations in South Florida, you know, for namely the Barcelona Real Madrid game, and the entrance to the raffle is more than fifty dollars. So, you know, nosebleed tickets for that game we're going for four hundred dollars. Here, you're going to get three solid matches. I wouldn't be surprised if if Miami FC adds a fourth down the road uh, if you sign up for this package. So, you know, my my best bet to you is get involved, get in this you know summer soccer flex pack now while you can. Um, you're going to get the uh, fall home opener in North Carolina FC, and you'll get the game after an Indy 11. Those are always good matches uh, for Miami, especially at home. And, you know, you get a chance to win Barcelona-Madrid tickets. So you get a chance to win Juventus-PSG tickets, which alone, you know, again, $400 for nosebleeds and, you know, $50 for club-level seats, um, which, again, would be the upper tier for that game against PSG Juventus at Sun Life Stadium. So it's a win-win situation here. Even if you don't win the tickets, you're coming out with a great deal um, for these Miami FC matches. Yeah, that was my thought, especially for, and I would imagine there are a few people like this who listen to our podcast that are are Miami FC fans but maybe don't have season tickets. Um, This is the perfect opportunity to kind of, uh, you know, cover your behind for a couple of games, not have to worry about buying at the box office, getting a good deal, uh, and, um, you know, getting a chance to basically get the golden ticket and, and, and go to, to Barcelona Real. Um, so, yeah, I thought that, that was intriguing and, and a, a clever idea on the part of the front office. Um, or the so, better game, which is uh, the Juventus one. Yes. Yeah, which and, will and be the know better it's game, the, right? <laughs> we, See, we are discerning soccer fans, so we know we already got our tickets for Juventus uh, uh, PSG, so we'll be there. But but for for other people that want the glitz and the glamour and everything, you know, they they can have that. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it. No, um, one, one quick talk- thing. One one. Quick oh thing. yes, go right ahead. Uh, let's go ahead and and real fast because we are running long here. Um, do want to real quick just recap the Gold Cup play so far. Um, as oh, yes, you know, of course. The U.S. the CONCACAF Gold Cup. I want to say the U.S. Gold Cup because it's always uh, hosted here, but that's not right. <laughs> um, you have unexpected leaders leading the group. Um, you know, in Group A, you've got Canada and Costa Rica at the top with three points. Canada notably beating the tough, tiny island of French Guinea. Uh, yeah, 4-2. Uh, Costa Rica beating Honduras Friday night. Uh, 1-0, both, both teams sitting at the top of their respective standings. USA and Panama draw, which seem to be the story of their Open Cup, you know, fixtures. Draws, draws left and right. Martinique beat Nicaragua. Um, Nicaragua notably played a game here not too long ago against FC Miami City. That game ended 0-0, so 
Uh, shout out again to Miami City for holding a men's national team to no goals. And in Sunday night action, Jamaica and Mexico both came away with three points against Curaçao and El Salvador, respectively. Your United States men's national team is back in action Wednesday night at 9 p.m. So, uh, with the Miami FC game kicking off at 7.30, just after the conclusion of that game, if it doesn't go into extra time, uh, you can run to your cars, go ahead and turn on uh, the USA game against Martinique. But at that point... At that point, that game should be out of hand anyway, really. Yeah. Um, you know, there shouldn't be any any disguise there. Um, so, yeah, a, the Gold Cup will run roughly uh, through, if I'm not mistaken, I think it runs all the way through July 26th, meaning that all of the players on, on these rosters for these national teams will be back in time for semifinal action in the Gold Cup. So, uh, if you were hoping to dodge a player too, guess what's not going to happen. Uh, but that being said, it's a great tournament to watch. Um, the United States not fielding its strongest team at the moment, but you got to see who's going to uh, fill in some of these roster slots for some of the aging superstars that at some point uh, will no longer be wearing the red, white, and blue kit. So, uh, that's about it in Gold Cup. Uh, that's about all I've got for tonight. Boys, anything else? think we're good i think we've covered all of our bases drew anything uh this is a long ass podcast man yeah oh. i know and 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 detailed and like uh very <laughs> informative for the july breaks man like we sit here we disappear for 10 days we get tweets about hey there's no pod coming and you're like well here's a pod eat it 90 minutes <laughs> yeah here, here's a seven course meal of soccer you son of a gun um yeah so all right let's get out of here um uh, Omar, thank you very much, sir. All right, boys. See you guys Wednesday. Uh, Drew, uh, good to talk to you again. See you on Wednesday. Heck yeah. If any of y'all know some dairy farmers that want to sponsor this podcast and make some cheese, holler at your boy. <laughs> we, uh, As you know, we love everything with cheese. Um, so, yeah, uh, we will leave you uh, with the Alessandro Nesta audio. We didn't forget about that. So stay tuned. You'll hear from the 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 gaffer, uh, immediately after his team clinched the spring season. Um, so until next time, until after the Cincinnati match, um, I've been Matthew Bunch, Omar and Drew is always with you, and until next time, go Miami FC and go Miami soccer. How do you feel looking at Wednesday? How do you feel for winning 7-0? And you have a team on Wednesday that you know you can beat. How comfortable are you going to Wednesday? We have to ever... Balance because uh, when we lose, you know, to, lose, uh, to down, we if we are ready, we're gonna be ready for the for the next game for sure. Because uh, for, for tomorrow, I start to to work here uh, with the brain, now with the feet or something. Did you see motivation, different motivation today? The way they came out so strong. Did you see a different motivation from your players? For me, today it was uh, the day to close because. Uh, Thank you. Do we do we see some guys who normally don't play next weekend in San Francisco? Yeah, maybe I change something now. I can uh, change uh, more, involve more, more players. I don't know. Uh, Go enjoy. Go enjoy, coach. Good job. Thanks. Okay.